Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. The saying goes, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. I'm sure every parent listening agrees with this, but happiness, especially in uncertain times, is elusive. And while as parents we have a degree of control over our children's lives, ensuring they're happy is sometimes extremely hard to achieve. With me today is someone whose study of the science of happiness resulted in the creation of a business. Francesca Gaines is a mother of two who noticed the positive impact of daily journaling on her own well-being and wondered whether her children could reap the benefits too. She founded the Happy Self Journal, a daily journal for children that uses scientifically proven methods to promote happiness and develop healthy habits for life. Francesca, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm a big fan of what you've done. And when I first heard the story of how your journalism inspired you to create something for children, I was really impressed. But I'd love to start talking about that. So you, this was before the business started, you felt you'd started journaling and felt that that really had a, a positive impact on your life? Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, I was running a completely separate business at the time, um, got two kids, busy life, busy house. Um, and I started uh, journaling. I mean, I've been journaling in different forms for years, but I'd kind of moved on to gratitude journaling in particular. Um, and I'd also been using a book called The Daily Stoic, which has a kind of journal associated to it. And I just really noticed a shift in my own mindset and the way I was reacting to things and dealing with challenges. Um, and it all kind of coincided with um, schools encouraging us parents to read Carol, Dweck, um, Carol Dweck's book on mindset. And it all just kind of like came together for me. And we as a family had been trying various things at home. You know, we'd been sharing our gratitude practices at the table with the kids. We'd been experimenting with switch off times um, and family reading times. And I'd really noticed a shift in everyone's general just feeling, you know, well in themselves. Um, and it just all kind of came together and I really felt I wanted to create something that could help, you know, my children. I couldn't find a product, like I wanted it to be a, a physical book. Um, there's lots of apps around, but there's something very special about pen and paper and quality kind of stationery. I am a bit of a stationery geek. So yeah, it had to be a beautiful physical book. Fantastic. And, and you said you sort of studied the science of happiness. Do scientists know what make us happy? This is so interesting. Um, I had picked up on this. You get these like little articles in the paper and they'll say things like, oh, studies have shown that if you spend time in nature, it decreases your stress levels. I'm like, but why? And they're like, oh, scientists have shown that if you're going to... And so like neuroscience and neuroplasticity started coming up in these like little snippets in the press about this makes you happier. And I just thought this is so interesting. I started diving into this. 
Um, and I ended up doing a whole course at Berkeley University online called The Science of Happiness that takes you through the history of happiness and the, the kind of studies that have been done and the studies that are being done and what they show and what the kind of practices are that emerge from that that can be applied to daily life. I thought this was like the most interesting thing ever. And there's all this stuff in there that like, I didn't know about, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like I'm quite well read and I just, just like, why doesn't anyone tell you this? Like that the kind of gratitude journaling I'd been doing, like the research is so interesting. And there's all these other, like, I had no idea about the impact that kindness has on our kind of well-being um, and our, our physical health. There's like physiological changes that happen when we practice kindness. All of this stuff was absolutely fascinating. So I just did a big old deep dive into that topic um, and decided I wanted to bring out those practices that I felt were kind of the simplest and the ones that were easiest to adapt for kids and like fun to do because some of them are, are not as easy as others um, and so I kind of sprinkled those into the journal so that as the kids fill out the journal they're encouraged to do these practices but without anybody really telling them do you know what I mean like do you feel the impact without kind of necessarily it being kind of feeling like kind of chore some sort of like workbook type experience so it's it's really we, we we worked a lot on the page layout and the design to make sure the kids you know wanted to fill it out which was my big um that was a big motivation and so um, we're going to obviously talk about journaling and the positive impact of that. But going back to the, the sort of science of happiness, what were there sort of a few principles of things that made us happy? What, what, what does make us happy? Um, so what the kind of underlying studies seem to show is that a lot of it has to do with learning to appreciate what we have and looking for the good in our day. Um, we often very easily will dwell on what has gone wrong. Our brain is great at ruminating on problems and remembering all the issues. But actually, if we can shift that and focus on what has gone well, um, it seems to have a really big impact on how we feel. Um, a lot of the practices also have to do with boosting connection. So um, when we practice kindness, like we're very social beings um, and so when we practice kindness for example it also reinforces that kind of pro-social behavior and that has a strong impact on us um, and I think that's really interesting because you know as a society we're becoming a lot more lonely kind of that that is is seen and that has real health implications so practices that encourage activities that will help with connection um, help us yeah, find the good in our day um, and just are able to like be in the moment, I think, are the ones that seem to make the biggest difference. Um, and being able to reflect on those that have helped us, again, which draws it back to connection. So interestingly, the one um, act that seems to have given like the single greatest happiness boost is if you can write a gratitude letter to someone in your life that you feel has had a positive impact and that you haven't really properly thanked and you just writing them a one-page letter, um, preferably then delivering it in person. But even if you don't, just that act of writing it um, has been shown to have an amazing impact on how we feel. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's interesting, actually, we're recording during the pandemic, during lockdown number three. I kind of locked, I've actually lost, lost track of how many lockdowns we've had now. But I've tried in the last few weeks, tried to send a text to one person a day that is simply just, I think you're great. What you do is brilliant. Just something that's complimentary and will hopefully land a smile on someone's face. And I'm reaping the benefits of that. I'm not getting any, but I'm definitely reaping the benefits of that. Absolutely. That's the lovely thing about this act of kindness. Like you will feel the benefit and the people um, receiving those lovely messages will feel the benefit. But the even lovelier thing is the fact that they're receiving it will make it more likely for them to be kind in turn. And so there's this lovely ripple effect um, that happens. So you're, you're spreading lots of lovely kindness waves everywhere. And learning to appreciate what we have, I can absolutely see how failing to do that will make you unhappy and being able to do that will definitely make you much happier, especially in a challenging situation. But that sounds like something that's easier said than done. How is that something journaling can help us with? Yeah, I think I think that is something that journaling can really help us with. Um, so in our in our journals, we have structured pages. Um, and so there's lots of different types of journaling. You know, lots of people will have just a blank page and they'll just, you know, write whatever they want or just write about gratitude. And that's great, but it can be a little bit overwhelming. So we went for a structured page. And so we talk about the top three things. Um, the science talks about three good things, which is based on a kind of classic study where people were encouraged to keep a gratitude journal and record three good things every day for a week. And they measured their happiness at the end of the week like a month later three months later and even six months later and even six months later from that one exercise there was still an uplift in their happiness levels um, and so the act of taking the time to be quite thoughtful about the three good things is important so all the practices um, kind of show that you do need to practice them so it's a bit like sports you know, if you want to get good at any type of sport, you do need to practice. So it's the same with any of these. Um, but you, you need to be quite kind of, I can't think of the word, um, quite kind of conscious that you're doing it. So it's not just going like, oh, I've had a really great day. That is not gratitude practice. It's about sitting down and going, what made this day great? And it can be the tiniest things. So it can be like, I went on a walk and I saw a little robin. Um, I saw spring flowers, um, you know. Um, somebody made me a cup of tea or my kids came and gave me a big cuddle or, you know, the cat did something funny or whatever it is. It can be these little moments of joy in your day. 
um, and consciously just taking the time to write those down and reflect on them is what makes that so meaningful. And I think doing that as part of a journal is just very nice because you're needing to write it, you're having to take time out, there's no screens, there's no distractions. Um, and when we do it with our kids, the lovely thing is we can talk about it as well. And that's such a special moment. So with like the younger ones, you can fill it out with them and um, you know help them think about their gratitude. They do need a little bit of prompting to get going or you'll get the like, oh yeah, didn't lunch at school was really good. Or um, that will come up every day, oh, the food was really good. Um, but then you can drill into that. It's like, well, what about it made, why was lunch so good? Or maybe they sat next to their mates and they had a laugh. Or you know maybe the dinner lady made a joke or it was like their favorite dish and there's something about it that, you know, that just make, gives them real comfort in eating their favorite food. So you can drill down into what is it about that moment. Um, even if kids say things like, oh, I'm grateful for my phone, which at parents, like we might roll our eyes out at first and go, oh my goodness, you know, you were very, you'd be so like, can't believe you'd say that when there's children starving and how can you be grateful for your phone? But actually you drill into it. You can find some real goodness. Like, why are you grateful for your phone? Maybe it's because it allows them to listen to music and actually that makes them relax. Um, maybe on their phone is where they connect with their friends so they have a laugh and you know that makes them feel connected and especially at lockdown at the moment that's really important. So I think we can always drill down into like what is it about that moment that was so especially you know joyful or special or worth kind of noting for us. And does the time of day when you do this matter? I mean, typically people write a journal at the end of the day and does sort of these positive thoughts before you go to sleep. And, you know, increasingly we're understanding a bit more what happens in our brain while we sleep. Is, is, is it better done at the end of the day or does it not really matter? It doesn't really matter. I mean, there are some studies that were done that showed that journaling um, at bedtime helped with sleep. And certainly that is very much the feedback I get from parents because um, it allows us to stop those ruminating thoughts, end the day on a positive, maybe share the worries that have been building up and kids often don't know how to tell you about a problem. There, there just isn't that it's awkward, you know, there isn't necessarily that prompt. However much we think that they would tell us anything, it can be difficult. And when they have that time at the end of the day, which is the time to do the journal, it's part of the structure and that's a great opportunity. There's less barriers for them to like share or worry. So they get it all out of their head, think of some positives. And so, yeah, the kids and the science clearly shows it will help you sleep better. But you can do it at the start of the day. I've had lovely messages from families where they all have a journal and they sit down at breakfast and they'll each read their different quote of the day. They'll share their top three things. They'll spend a little bit of time reflecting and that sets them up for a positive day. And, you know, that works just as well. I think it's all about the most important thing is doing it. Um, so if for you doing it means it's at lunchtime, then that's better than not doing it. Um, but I tend to encourage like a bedtime practice. I have my journal literally on my bedside table. It's, I know I will see it and therefore do it. So it needs, I think it's, you know, it's good to cue these things with something you're definitely doing. So you definitely have like, you know, Teddy and your reading book by the kids' beds or you have your bedside table with your hand cream or whatever. And like, if I know it's there, I will pick it up. It is the last thing I do before I go to sleep. And, and so obviously we've talked about sort of kindness. We've talked about sort of reinforcing what we do and what we don't have and the sort of reflection of those, those positive thoughts. How else does, does journaling help us in terms of sort of the, the science of happiness? Yeah, so I mean, 
in our journal, I brought in um, various other little prompts. So again, it depends on how you use your journal. Um, for a lot of people, it can be more about, um, you know, it doesn't have to be that they're writing about gratitude. They might just want to like just more creative, just get any idea, you know, all the thoughts and worries out of their head. So get rid of ruminating thoughts. I mean, there's one lovely exercise, which was one of the like happiness exercises, which is more about um, journaling and imagining your best positive self. So where you actually go forward, say five years and think about if everything were to go right, what would my life really look like? And like, just write a you know, for 15 minutes about every little detail that you'd like to happen. And studies show that if we kind of take a more practical view of what things could be like, we're more likely to embrace the ability to make those changes and feel more positive about what's possible. Um, so that's another way of, of, you know, putting pen to paper. Um, we prompt for things like, um, obviously, kindness. We prompt for things like mindfulness, which, you know, is a whole separate practice. Um, and again, but I'm presumably just, really, just doing a journal is a form of mind, mindfulness because you're say, focusing. You know, people yeah. are like, yeah, mindfulness can still feel sadly a little bit. We were like, what does it actually mean? And yes, it can mean listening to a mindfulness app like Headspace or Calm. It can mean doing some breathing exercises, which have really been shown to like the way they impact our nervous system. It really affects our ability to deal with stress, which is useful. Um it can mean just having switch off time and sitting with your thoughts. And I really think that this is something we've lost these days. Like we're so busy, we're so switched on, we're so connected. And everything's so running. automated too. Everything. We've lost that kind of, you know, a job where you're just not having to think. I mean, my father always says like his mindfulness is mowing the lawn. And yes. I've taken up sewing in, in lockdown and I love it. And I really don't know why I love it because it's not that exciting. The other day I was like, I'm not going to watch Netflix. I want to do my sewing. <laughs> and I was just like, how did but I think it just enables me to think and kind of process my thoughts. It's exactly that. It's just having the space to be without distraction with your thoughts, which is something we have lost as adults. And I think our kids are sadly not even experiencing it because they're even more connected than we are. So if we can give our children the space to be quiet with their thoughts and I think it's really important you know because we talk about happiness but it's about the whole range of emotions um, it's definitely not about feeling joyful and everything being perfect that is not what it's about it's about being able to cope with the range of emotions being able to reflect on them all feeling more resilient in coping because if you're happier you will be able to deal better with the problems and you know however much we hate it, we're all going to have problems and our kids are going to have challenges and we need to make sure that they are as well equipped to deal with them. Um, and certainly for me, I think one of my big drivers was like, um, I mean, I certainly felt, you know, going through school and certainly by the time I hit university, like I was not well equipped to deal with challenges. I really could have done with this stuff then. I could have done with a journal. Um, and I think there's just a lot to be said with giving our children like those tools as young as possible so they can help look after themselves. Uh, yeah, I remember having a, a, a diary when I was like 11 and I found it the other day <laughs> and it's just so not what a journal should be. It's literally like I woke up, I had toast and honey for breakfast. Then we went to school. I had maths. Then it was science. Then we had break time and I ate some biscuits. It was literally... <laughs> 
But no one told me what was important about a journal. I thought, you know, I literally had to sort of itemize what happened in my day. But if I'd had a journal like that, which was actually prompting me to really reflect on the things that mattered in my day, that also in retrospect would have been so much more interesting for me to yes. read about. Yes. <laughs> it would have been great. It's so true. Um, I came across this great quote today. So Marcus Aurelius, he, you know, his meditations was his like personal journal, really. He didn't write that for publication. But in that, he's reminding himself at the start of the day, like today, I will encounter annoying, rude, um, you know, kind of horrible people. Like, I will encounter all of these issues. I must be prepared. And I think, wow, that's actually super useful. You know, if we can just go out and go like, no, life is going to be tough today. There will be issues, but like, I'm ready for them. Um, and actually just be like, okay, I, I'm ready to take on the day and not go out, oh, today's going to be perfect. And then be very upset when you've got issues. So I think just having that space to like prompt and think about different things and, you know, how can I be kind today? Who can I help today? But also we prompt for things like who is kind to me, which I think is a really important part of you know, the happiness kind of science is like when we can recognize what others do for us, because that allows us to then reflect back and be grateful, but also give it back. So, you know, who was kind to me? Like, oh, you know, the teachers or my mum who's always cooking me dinner or the, you know, all, all my laundry was done or whatever. Like these are little things we might not necessarily see, but it's good to be prompted to reflect on because we're actually surrounded by it, but we just don't really see it anymore. Do you ever read your journals back? Do you go back, you know, have many years or months and have a look about what you were writing about? I have an entire cupboard of like um, old journals. I go right back to childhood. I kept a lot of travel journals. Um, it's every time we move, we're kind of like grown at putting them in and out of boxes. And then I have a little peek. Um, and some of them are very much like the one you described. It's like, oh, I took this flight and then the train left at 12.05 and we did this. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so boring. But then every time you do pick up some like gorgeous little gems of like, oh, that happened. And then actually, if only it had been structured, like you say, to like, what were the actual three best parts of your day? It would be so much better. But yes, I do have a whole load and um, it's actually quite nice to look back at the gratitude journals, um, especially. And it, it reminds me a bit of what we're doing at home. I don't know if you've heard of this lovely concept of like keeping a gratitude jar, where instead of everybody writing it in their journals, like maybe once a week, you think about some you know, little nice moments of the week, you write it on a tiny piece of paper, put it in a jar and it fills up over the year. And then we MTR is like in the new year, kind of New Year's Day or whenever near then. And then you read them out and you see what everybody was recording for the year. And that's actually just a really nice way to look back and reflect. That's such a lovely thing to do. Because I do think that that reflection both in the moment but also retrospectively I think is, is so important I was talking to my sister who has like one of those five-year diaries so it's like five years and, and she says she always looks back to the previous years and she said one thing she noticed is that when there's a crisis or when you're having a difficult time at home or work or with your relationships it feels so consuming like right now in the pandemic it feels like 
It's never going to end. We're going to be locked down forever. We're going to be in an economic crisis forever. We cannot see the other side of it. But the thing is, life does move on. Spring will come. Summer will return. International holidays and flights and travel will resume. But it's so difficult to imagine this. And I think sometimes when you reflect on what was going on in your life a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago, you think, oh my God, I thought that was the end of the world. You know, that fight I had with someone or that disagreement or that problem with work. And you think, I got, not only did I get over it, but it seems inconsequential in the larger picture of life, which I think is, it's a really important and healthy thought to have. It's so true. It's so true. Um, and actually, that reminds me of another one of the happiness practices, which is, um, and I thought this one was particularly charming. And again, I'd never heard of this concept, but it came through um, when I did that course. And it's a concept of an all walk so exposing yourself to an awesome experience um which is what we get like when we go into nature or you go and visit a you know you go to a mountain or you suddenly see an amazing view and you know how you feel like wow this view so the scientists look at this which to me is just fascinating and so this exposure to something like vast and overwhelming actually helps us put everything into perspective like suddenly we feel small compared to all of our problems and everything around us um and that's it's a little bit like what you're saying, like just having, being able to put things into perspective. Um, so yes, I think we should all go more on all walks, which um, you'll be pleased to know the science shows that it doesn't need to be a trip to like the Grand Canyon. You can actually, you know, go around an urban setting and see a beautiful building or go into a museum um, or it something can. like I, that. I was reading about this the other day and I went to get a takeaway coffee and I was standing outside while it was being made and I was on like a busy road in London and I was about to go and look on Instagram and then I thought, no, no, I'm going to try and find awe on Ladbroke Grove. And <laughs> I sort of looked do. up to these <laughs> amazing plane trees that have been there for like hundreds of years and I thought oh my God, it is amazing how big they are, how they grew from nothing, how they're so resilient. You know, they still manage to flourish in this really urban environment where people chuck rubbish at the base of them. And, and that just like two minutes of appreciating the awe that surrounds me that you, you take for granted if you see it every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think it's just so lovely that once we're aware of these little practices, and they're so simple, really, we can start bringing them into our day. And over time, it it just generally, you know, has and does make a difference. Um, one of the loveliest things with my kids when we kind of started doing the kind of, you know, daily gratitude practice and the top three things. And at the beginning, it is slow going, especially for my the age that my youngest was. Um, then they suddenly get it you know it takes practice the neuroplasticity everything's rewiring they're kind of working on it and then suddenly with my youngest what ends up happening is you just get like a running commentary something happens he's like mama that's one of my top three things and like you go through the day and he starts just giving you like live top three things as they happen because he's noticing it and then you know that you've kind of got through that initial phase and then you know it all becomes easier to like keep that habit going and help them become even more kind of you know precise um with what it is they want to you know um record as gratitudes for the day one of the things that you um have talked about previously is how the 
you know, the reason that kind of positive thinking really matters is that the more you do it, the stronger those neural pathways become so that you're more likely then to interpret a situation as positive and see the good side of things as opposed to the bad side of things. Can you explain that concept to me? Because um, I just thought it was fascinating and a really interesting thing to share with my children. It's so interesting. Um, so a, a lot of the research, you know, that we mentioned about the gratitude practice and all of that. So the original studies that were done were very much like measure someone's happiness before, do the intervention measure again. But like now kind of the neuroscience is catching up and able to look at it kind of from a neuroscience point of view and explain it all on a scientific level, which again is really interesting. Um, and so I think one Canadian scientist said something like, neurons that fire together wire together so it's basically like the pathways that you work strengthen and so if you are strengthening the positive pathways they will be releasing the neurotransmitter it's like the dopamine that make us feel good you're strengthening that and so you're literally helping your brain look for the positives whereas if you know the opposite is if we're like ruminating and we're being very negative then those are the pathways that are being exercised so to speak and that they will be then the stronger ones so it's this neuroplasticity that happens in in the background um, that that helps with that kind of shift in mindset and outlook so we can you know there's this sort of idea that we're born certain people and I do believe that that we are born with certain personalities but I also think it's really positive and empowering to to know that you can slightly change your mindset um, yeah. in terms of you know you, if you're a sort of glass half empty someone then that can be changed. You can wire yourself to be a bit more glass half full. Mm, absolutely. I think it was Sonia Lubomirsky who did the research um, and she came up and it was something like, um, so 40% of our happiness is kind of up for grabs. I think these are very rough figures, but I think the gist of it is there is a significant proportion that is up to us. Um, I think 50% is genetic. So yes, a lot of people will be predisposed to a certain particular way of being. 10% is um, kind of your environment. But then the significant factor is up for grabs. And that's where, you know, we decide what are those positive habits you know do we want to do exercise eat healthy focus on our sleep do our gratitude do all of these things that we hear you know um people tell us are good for us and if if we take those up then yes we can make a significant shift um in how we feel and i think it's been so refreshing like joe wicks in particular has really shifted people's I think mindset on say exercise, you know, exercise used to be this thing where it was more about like weight or like health, like whatever that actually means. But, you know, he talks now so much to the kids about you, you feel great. You're going to exercise, like you will feel good at the end of it. Even if you don't want to do the exercise 20 minutes later, you have that lovely feeling because you are working your body and helping it release the chemicals that make us feel good. And so I think it's really important to, you know, kind of shifts the view um on 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 our view on kind of happiness and well-being and it's like what can we do to help ourselves what are these habits how do we bring them into our day so that you know they are just there um easy to do constants 
one thing that I speak to everyone, there's not quite enough hours in the day. I, I, there's, I find, you know, especially, you know, the, pick the kids up from school, there's homework, there's clubs, there's dinner, there's reading, there's talking. And then there's like journaling. I think a lot of parents think, oh my God, it's another thing to do. How long should it take for a child? Oh, it can just take a couple of minutes. No, literally, um, I'm totally with you there. Like, Totally. Um, no one's going to do something that is like yet another like printable homework, chore, um, handwriting, sneaky handwriting. I often see comments. Um, oh, this would be really great for, you know, their handwriting. I'm like, no, 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 it is not for handwriting practice. Like, you know, that's not the point because again, that might cause friction. So I really think it should just be a couple of minutes um, and not like as part of kind of schoolwork. So very separate. That's why I think tying it into bedtime is so positive because you're relaxed. Maybe you've had your bath, you're in your pajamas. It's the last thing you do, kind of cuddles at bedtime, teddy books stories whatever the kind of you know routine is for the age and then filling out the journal you know we've got like a little positive quote or affirmation so reading that out maybe talking about it you know do you know what it means do you agree do you disagree um then there's the top three things um you can do that together I always like to give my own examples just to help the kids kind of see the range of things you can mention um and then we have our little emoji of the day which again they just need to circle one or two or it doesn't you know they can pick more than one but it's that doesn't take long but often that sparks um some really important conversations so for example like I'll get messages from parents saying oh you know um, they had an amazing day, they were like, no problem doing their top three things, but then they circle the crying emoji and then they start telling me about all these issues and I'm like, that, that's, that's so important, like that is exactly what should be happening, like they feel safe enough to actually share with you, but also to realise that they can have a good day but still have like a problem and that, you know, one doesn't, you know, cancel out the other. So that, that, that's a really important part of it. And then the bottom of the page, we tend to have like, like little checklists. So again, um, like, and those prompt kind of, you know, positive behaviors or kindness or friendship, there's like little prompts again. So it's very quick. Like they're not having to, you know, there's not like a blank page where they need to write loads. Um, and with the younger ones, I mean, even my son, he's 11. He's not really into handwriting, he's not really into writing. Handwriting's not his thing. So he actually still likes it when I fill it out for him. He'll lie in bed, chat away, tell me everything. And I fill it out and he'll kind of reach over and like circle the emoji. Um, so, you know, you can do it that way. And I think the most important part is that you are filling it out and going through the page structure and talking about stuff. Um, and should you always do it with your child or should your child sometimes do it on their own? It depends on the child. I think the, the child should should guide you on that. I think the younger ones like to do it together because it's a very special one to one time that they really cherish and value. Um, certainly as they get older, like my daughter, I mean, she's 15 now, so definitely that's private, but she probably started keeping hers private probably from the age of 12. She was keen to do it herself. Um, but there's younger ones who are keen to do it themselves and who want to keep it private or I hear from parents, sometimes they choose to share pages. And I think 
the most important part is you respecting their wish. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, should you ever read it? Read it? <laughs> oh, I don't think you should. No, I, I don't think that's the point. I think, um, you know, it should be giving them a safe space and they should choose as and when, you know, how to share it. And I mean, I think, I certainly think we need to get our children to do this. How do we actually get our children to do it? I mean, obviously, I mean, they could potentially listen to this podcast, I think, you know, from age 12, but otherwise sort of mentioning to them the sort of benefits. But have you found any sort of tips in terms of encouraging children to do it? Because, you know, if it's the parent going every night, remember to do your journal, that lasts maximum a few weeks and then <laughs> like it's forgotten. Exactly. No. They need to want to do it. Yeah, no, they do. They do. I totally agree. Um, I mean, we spend a lot of, I spend a lot of time kind of making sure that the journal feels and looks like something the child wants to take ownership of so we've got like a super lovely soft tactile cover they love kind of it's just it, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful object it's a beautiful book um and they 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 like to take ownership of it some kids decorate the cover you know just keep it with teddy on their pillow it becomes a very precious possession um i certainly think if there's any resistance to filling it out then you know just leaving it on the bedside table, encouraging it as part of bedtime, but not enforcing it. It may be that they're not ready to do it every day. Maybe they want to start it gently. Um, certainly offering to do the writing is important because often that's a barrier where they're just too tired. They don't want to write, but they're happy to talk to you. Um, and just kind of, you know, bringing it in as part of a routine. I mean, there's some stuff at the beginning that kind of explains to them about, you know, why happiness is important and some of the principles of doing it. I also included a kind of like, because our brain does love rewards. Um, so in the, at the front, if they want, there's like a little page that says, you know, I'm going to fill out my journal. And then we set some, like if I do it for a week and after a month, like little rewards, like nothing, you know, some parents get a bit carried away. So I did actually change the wording to make it really clear. It's not like a spending exercise but it's about just marking the moment like oh here's some stickers or is a pen or you get to choose what movie we watch on movie night you know like just a, 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 a little kind of nice treat that just kind of marks the occasion and helps them establish the habit um, and most of the time once they kind of get going they enjoy doing it and they fill it out and then they're keen to continue and then that habits kind of become a loved part of bedtime. And how long um, until you notice a difference in your happiness or in their happiness? I think it's hard to say. I mean, the studies show that there's a difference after um, journaling just for seven days. Um, so I, I think it's about consistency. Most important, it's about how, you know, um, how you engage with it and how, how, you know, how kind of serious you are about wanting to do the reflecting and the gratitude challenge that you'll feel the difference. I mean, we kind of try and reinforce it at home by doing, you know, like the gratitude jar, but also by sharing our top three things at dinner. So we're kind of bringing it into the rest of the day as well. Um, and also, I, I think it's really important as as parents to kind of model the behavior. So, you know, the kids will see me journaling, they'll see me doing the Headspace app. It's not something that is hidden or, or done behind closed doors, like it's very much part of the day. And so for them, it just feels like a normal thing to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, I've been doing, it's not even in a formal journal, but I just have a little notebook by my bed and I write down the things that I loved about the day. So it's the last thing I think about. And being 42, I'm at the age where I kind of forget everything. And it's such a nice thing to look back on because I remember, you know, the hilarious things my children said, the funny things that happened to us, the really special things that often I would have forgotten. And then sharing that with them, we all have a good laugh about what someone said and they find these stories stories from their childhood just brilliant so you know for me that was a really powerful way of saying why don't we all do this and then we can all kind of hold on to these memories that we'd otherwise forget it's a lovely yeah it's a be it'll be such a lovely keepsake in years to come to look back on what it was that you thought was important when you were six and a half um, and filling out your journal Oh, well, Francesca, it's been so lovely to chat to you. You've really inspired me. I've got to say I've been a bit lax with my uh, little notebook recently and um, I'm definitely going to do it. And it just seems like a simple way of becoming happier that doesn't involve lots of money and lots of time and actually be quite fun to do. I also love that... Kindness is at the heart of your company. I mean, obviously, kindness is a big part of of happiness, but um, you donate through charities, journals for children who aren't necessarily in a position to be able to to, to, to buy them. Yeah, absolutely. This was something um, that I was so proud we were able to do last year. We had applied for um, Innovate UK funding at the start of the year when they launched a scheme to kind of help businesses address um, issues relating to the pandemic and we managed to get two rounds of funding and we literally disputed thousands of journals um, straight to schools they were able to apply to us for um, children on free school meals and so we sent out those journals and then as part of our own kind of efforts we worked direct with a number of charities um, and by the end of the year we had shipped out over 10,000 journals to kids that would otherwise not have got hold of them. And so to me, being able to um, do this as part of the business and like, you know, to show my children that our business can do good and we can grow as a business and find ways to do this is really, really important. Um, and it, it just was such a nice thing to be able to do last year, which was such a difficult year for so many reasons, um, that we were able to get those journals out was was good. Well, you're a real inspiration and um, thank you so much. It's a, it's a fantastic product. I've got to say, I love how much effort you've put into making it feel like a sort of really luxurious product because actually entrusting children to, you know, or encouraging children to entrust their feelings to a book I think deserves a beautiful book. So I think it's actually really clever that you've done that. So oh, thank, thank you. you. So, thank so you the Happy Self me. Journal is available. It's on Not on the High Street. You can buy it at Liberty and direct from you. Is that right? Yes. Yep. We're at happyselfjournal.com. Perfect. Um, well, I actually, as we've been talking, I was thinking, I think I might send them out to all my godchildren because I think that's a really lovely thing to do at the beginning of the year when life sometimes feels a bit grey. Um, and it might just be a welcome boost. And if it makes them even just a tiny bit happy, I think that's that's worth doing. Oh, thank you. That's absolutely lovely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. That's a pleasure. Francesca, thank you. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Francesca and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.